0: After reviewing the play, the call on the ice stands. We got to go. Okay, the colors, we are set to go. Let's go! We are kicking. Watch the blue! There we go. Yeah, baby. Hey, you, you got you? the power play, get out of here. Thirty-six, already fixed right here for The Rock. Both guys, five minutes each for fighting. Hey, hey, we're not doing this. I don't want to babysit all night. A little bit of nastiness today. Eh? Nothing good's coming out of this, big man. Have you seen this before? Yes, it's ruled something point something he's not putting his stick in here you, you keep your stick out of him here we go let's, roll, boys. let's hey, boys hey, hey. let's go after further review it's the scouting the refs podcast here's your hosts todd lewis and josh smith
1: when you're ready big guy
0: all right guys let's drop the puck josh i was watching a lot of hockey this past week and a thought occurred to me that nhl players They make a very good living playing the game and they should, but there's times when I think maybe they could look at other opportunities to make additional money or at least ask the question. So let me, let me explain here. I don't think there is, but perhaps there should be some sort of commission system in place for players that draw others, to commit fouls that generate revenue for the league through fines. Because Pierre-Luc Dubois, the Winnipeg Jets, was involved in two separate incidents (laughs) that resulted in fines being issued this past week.
1: That's a a good one to look at. Who's earning the league the most money because of fines? Who's getting this high dollar amount going to uh, the—where do the funds go to anyway? (laughs) Who's earning this money that's going to the league and to all these retired players? Because he should be commended for his effort to help those players who need the, the additional funds. Good for Pierre to, uh, to really take one for the team here and, and earn some dollars.
0: We'll get into this and much more on this edition of the Scouting the Refs podcast. Please make sure you're following us on our social channels. On Twitter, if it's still working, you get Josh at Scouting the Refs on Instagram as well. And for me, it's at Todd Lewis Sports on Twitter and Instagram. On this week's episode, a big fine for Coleman three games for Obey Kubel, which penalties should be called some new rules to discuss as well. You know, Josh, it was just last week we were talking about suspensions, and the magic number seemed to be two. Two Two-game suspensions were handed out to a number of different players. However, this past week, the Department of Player Safety upped the ante and gave a three-game suspension, to Washington Capitals forward Nicholas Obe kubel during a game against Tampa. He delivered a big hit. He delivered a big hit to Tampa defenseman Cal Foote. It was kind of blindside. He definitely made significant contact with the head, got a major penalty, got tossed, numerous shenanigans throughout the game. I was a little puzzled though why this lifted to a three gamer versus the two that seem to be the magic number right now for the league.
1: Yeah, I think we're looking at one of those situations where we have different types of impacts, different types of injuries. And we've joked about the the hits to the head in the past of making sure that the league takes it seriously and, and looking at whether it's a stick chop to the head, whether it's a hit to the head, whether it's a blindside punch to the back of the head, they, they all cause potential injuries there. But I, I think one thing the league has done is to try to stay strong when it comes to those illegal checks to the head and you're looking at something that the player lines up the hit they're delivering a check they, they had the option to avoid head contact on this play Abe kubel could have delivered a legal check his path his alignment it just it just picked the head there and and that's why they're coming down on it and i think you know in the past we've seen that some of the illegal checks to the head are are a two gamer some are a three gamer It's hard to draw that line there. You know, what's the difference? Are are we looking more at intent? Did he have more time to adjust and opted not to? Was the hit particularly punishing? Or. Is it just looking at the injury outcome of the play? But I think it's it's hard to draw that there, Todd, when you're looking at a two game or a three game. We've seen baseball style stick swings that get two games or less, depending yeah. on where they connect. And then headshots like this one that uh, three games and I, I think three games is the right call. I'm, I'm glad to see enforcement of a multi game suspension there. And, and I think three is good when you're looking at a dangerous hit like this. one. So I won't complain about that. But yes, yeah, sometimes it, it is hard to figure out where that line is.
0: Well that's that's exactly the reason I'm puzzled by this cuz I've got no problem with 3 games as well. It was a it was a dirty hit worthy of a big penalty and sitting out for a few games. But I'm not sure how much more egregious this incident is than some of the previous 2 game suspensions that were delivered even even just last week. I mean, we had nasty hits from behind that sent players right into the boards. We had a player Poke his stick into the face of a goaltender. Now, without the NHL offering some sort of context, and I understand that each situation is unique, but in a way, they're kind of their own worst enemy when people suggest that there is no logic to suspensions if you don't deliver more of an explanation.
1: Yeah, and I I think you nailed it that each situation is different, and that means you're applying – a different standard because you've got a high sticking penalty, you've got a boarding penalty, you've got an illegal check to the head. And you're looking at what happened to make this a suspendable offense under each one of those classifications. So you've got some different criteria there. But I think you make a good point of looking at the big picture of it of is this a dangerous play? Could this player have been injured? Was this player injured? And you know what makes Josh Anderson nailing Petrangelo from behind into the boards and avoiding an injury because of his visor, but it's something that would be equally as devastating as Abe Kubel's hit on Calfoot.
0: Okay, let's get into the money talk now and Calgary's Blake Coleman. As Coleman and Pierre-Luc Dubois are pursuing a puck into the Winnipeg zone, the two are jostling and looking for position and wind up going down in a heap. Pierre-Luc Dubois got two for holding and Coleman got two for tripping. However, as we have seen previously, Not all trips are created equal, and when the video was re-examined and you watch this one a little more closely, you see that Coleman delivers a textbook slew foot to Pierre-Luc Dubois, got him a $5,000 fine, and the best part, it was actually referred to as a slew foot when the penalty (laughs) was handed down. I know, we've seen
1: so many dangerous trips, I thought the league was getting a little gun-shy about coming out there with slew footing, but this was... Clearly a slew foot, and unfortunate that it wasn't called in the game. I understand sometimes you don't want to pull the trigger unless you're 100% sure, and the league officials call what they see. Sometimes you're in a tough spot. Player safety has that benefit of video review, and, and they could clearly see that textbook. Coleman used his leg or foot to knock out an opponent's feet or pushed an opponent's upper body backwards with his arm or elbow with the forward motion of his leg. So it was, I think, Pierre-Luc Dubois' arm being up maybe looked like the hold when I think he was just grasping on his way down to catch on anything as he felt his leg kicked out from underneath of him. But for the, the trailing official, it's it's definitely a tough spot to be in when you see that arm come up and both guys go down. So I'm not going to fault the officials for the call, but I'm, I'm glad to see that player safety got it right. Dangerous play for a fine there, but I don't know if it quite rises to the level that deserves a suspension, but they caught it, they addressed it. And I think that's about all we can do and move forward.
0: I was going to suggest that this is tough to suspend on because it was two players kind of battling and fighting yeah. and it wasn't Coleman really saying, okay, this is it, I'm just wiping you out now or completely one-sided. So I, I think maybe that's how you lean towards the fine versus suspension.
1: Yeah, we've seen somewhere it's a, a bit more egregious or you see two guys going into the boards and it's a clear cut, elbow up top, kick down low and, and the player crashes into the boards dangerously. This This was a battle, I think, it may have been an, an unintentional or an inadvertent slew foot as their upper bodies are wrestling and their skates get tangled up. So I think a fine's justified, but definitely not the most egregious case we've seen. And and I, I'll say they got it right. You, you want to let this have some sort of acknowledgement from a disciplinary standpoint. But both guys went down. I mean, it, it was more than incidental contact, but not enough to draw a suspension.
0: The other incident involving Pierre-Luc Dubois extracting money from an opponent involves Carson <laughs> Susie of the Seattle Kraken with about a half a minute remaining, Kraken leading by a goal, the two are battling, the hack and whack is going, and finally Soucy was rather frustrated and punched Dubois in the back of the head yeah, that earned you a penalty. It also earned you a fine. And I guess the real penalty is on the ensuing power play. The Jets tied the game and then won it in overtime.
1: Yeah, that's got to be the most frustrating part about it for him. I'm sure the fine is a nuisance you know, when you're making enough money, a $2,500 fine when you're, you've got a million bucks coming in. Probably not a big deterrent, but losing a game directly as a result of your penalty is, is a big deal. I, it was a good battle back and forth. I mean, they were both getting away with shots, I couldn't hear the officials. We had Eric Ferlat and Bo Halketis there. Halketis was the low man couldn't hear him on any of the mics but this is one of those situations where you expect the on ice officials to be communicating with the guys in front of the net warning them as the battle gets more aggressive or as as it gets over the line when we're looking at a potential penalty here so that's where those conversations take place and as soon as it crosses the line that's when the whistle blows and you get the penalty not sure if that's what Halkidis was doing here or if he was just monitoring it but that's one of those tricky spots and we've talked to NHL officials in the past about it that that's where communication comes into play to let these guys know hey you know you're getting close to the line you you guys got to watch the sticks and certainly susie's blindside punch there deserved the penalty no question
0: there was one other fine issued by the nhl department of player safety to ottawa senators forward matthew joseph five thousand dollars for high sticking new york islanders defenseman sebastian aho i did not see any video of this i searched high and low but i'm thinking if they're finding somebody five thousand dollars he probably earned it probably <laughs> also <laughs> a
1: tough time tracking that one down but it was from what i understand it was more of an inadvertent stick so it's good to see when we have something that's inadvertent or accidental and still results in, in a potential injury or a dangerous situation that's where i think the fine's appropriate when it's the intentional acts i think those are the ones that that absolutely have to be a suspension and we've seen that for the most part this season maybe a few exceptions That I think could have come down a little bit harder, but I think the incidental situations, the ones where it's an errant stick that draws a fine a little bit more when you're maybe going after somebody with a cross check to their head. I think that's that's where we want to look for suspension. So, yeah, cash in and uh, uh, Pierre-Luc Dubois doesn't get credit for the income. No, not in that
0: one. (laughs) There was another incident in the same game that I wanted to ask you about. It involved Alexander Romanov, the Islanders defenseman, who hit Shane Pinto into the boards. And I'm watching this, and Pinto is facing the boards. He is playing the puck, and Romanov has plenty of time to alter his direction, make a less impactful hit. But he sends him directly into the boards, straight through the numbers. Pinto clunks his head on the glass, goes down and leaves the ice. I, I, I think I had a good view of it. I thought Graham Skilleter also had a good view of it, but no arm goes up. Austin Watson, Pinto's teammate, didn't like it, and he picked up a cross-checking penalty in retaliation. I'm not sure why there was no call here.
1: Yeah, this one I, I thought was going to be a call. I mean, obviously, you can't review it unless you call it. So this is one of those situations where if they wanted a second look, they were going to have to call a major match penalty on the play. And and maybe it wasn't deserving of that, but it definitely looked like a minor The only thing I can see is that that Pinto turns his body at the last second and and maybe it wasn't straight through the numbers as he turned to play the puck, but still Romanov coming in with a high hit. I almost, on initial viewing, thought it was going to be an elbowing call as he came in with that that high hit. Mm. Uh, It looked like it was to the head. So surprising that there wasn't a penalty. I'm guessing that player safety agreed that either this wasn't sufficient enough to deserve either a fine or a suspension. I don't think it was suspendable, but to not come down with a fine or anything after the fact. But to me, it looked like something that should have been penalized during the game.
0: I agree. There was one other game incident that has received an awful lot of discussion and at attention. It was the one of the national games on Wednesday involving the LA Kings and the Edmonton Oilers. Los Angeles defenseman Alex Edler hits Connor McDavid. There is knee-on-knee contact McDavid goes down, which of course draws everyone's attention, and everybody jumps into the fray. Darnell Nurse is the one to grab Edler, give him some extra attention. And when this is all settled down, Edler got two for kneeing, two for roughing, and Nurse got a double minor for roughing. Now, depending on your allegiance and which angle of the play... I think this is the right call. i watched it from a number of different angles, and it's it's not the most targeted and egregious kneeing penalty you would ever see. I think it's worthy of some attention. There are others that are griping about why was there not more of a, a, a vigilante action. Yes, I'm looking at you, Mark Spector of Sportsnet. <laughs> Come on, man. Yeah, let's all just jump in and have a line brawl after every hit. I think that this was handled properly by the officials.
1: Yeah, it's, it's an unfortunate play. I mean, first off, let's be happy that there was no significant injury on this one because we have yes. seen plenty of knee-on-knee hits that were inadvertent or unintentional and still resulted in an injury. I think you have two pieces here. You have Edler, who's coming in with a wide stance already. He's gliding up ice. He's looking like he's not in the most mobile stance there. He's he's not really ready to react. And McDavid is hopping through the neutral zone, turning quickly and pivoting. It, it's almost like tripping over a pylon here where McDavid runs right into Edler, who's At best, bracing for impact. Uh, I don't think that knee was coming out intentionally. I don't think he was trying to take out McDavid. I I think he's trying to deliver a hit. And McDavid basically hops around him and contributes to the contact there. So I think it was the right call. I I don't think there was any intent to injure. I don't think there was an intent to knee. his, His knee actually looks like it comes back in prior to contact. Still a scary moment for sure. And I think while some people disagree, I think you do have to leave it in the hands of the officials and ultimately player safety if there is more to it. You can't be having vigilante justice guys going after people when you've got what is potentially a clean hit. I mean, I can't expect players to be able to make that judgment call on was this a clean or a dirty hit? You know, was this a legitimate play here? You can't go after guys after every single hit out there. I know you want to stick up for your teammate, especially a guy like Connor McDavid. But when you do, you get penalized appropriately. And, and I think really that's that's what happened here
0: I I agree with you John McIsaac's arm went up right away he was he was calling the penalty on Alex Edler and even if it's a clean hit we see this somebody's got to jump in and grab their their pound of flesh in terms of revenge and it's just when are we going to move away from that and I'm not sure how we do Well, I think the officials have done a better job and a consistent
1: job of calling penalties for those guys that jump in. And and maybe you're not seeing necessarily an instigator and a fighting major, but you're you're often seeing that additional minor penalty. And maybe that gives guys pause to say, yeah, I want to take a number. I'm going to go after Edler on my next shift. But we're getting a power play here, guys. Let's let's try to show some restraint. Otherwise, we're going to find ourselves at even strength and even coming from the bench for the coaches to be aware of that and try to have these guys pull up a little bit. You want to stick up for McDavid for sure. But you also don't want to wipe out a power play because you're doing so. Or or, or maybe you do. I don't know. Some some may have a different school of thought on that one, Todd.
0: Yeah, good. Good point. I think that's the real revenge. Uh, a couple of things came up at the NHL general managers meetings that took place this past week after the Hockey Hall of Fame ceremonies. When do we get more refs in the Hall of Fame? By the way, I'll just leave that there for future discussion. The general managers discussed a couple of topics such as puck over glass. Should video review be used to help here? What is a greater definition perhaps of kicked in goals and specifically the distinct kicking motion? Also, apparently, Nets are becoming dislodged a little more regularly, and the league has decided that they are going to study this issue. Um, I'm I'm not sure where we go in terms of the definition of kicking motion that we've gone around in circles of, but I'd be okay with using video to help with the puck over glass calls.
1: It's an interesting one. I, I think there's value in it. You just have to have the right angles, and you have to have them consistently in most of the rinks, so... Short of us having a glass cam, where they take the the blue line camera and have one going right down the line of the glass there, which wouldn't be impossible, I, I think we're still in a tough spot where you're you might not always have the best angle to see. Some buildings might be better than others when it comes to that. So, if anything, I could see the league's reluctance to use it just because you don't always have a great angle on how the puck goes out. But I mean, given the significance of it and the the league's Apparent reluctance to back off from it being a penalty. We've had the discussions in the past around should this be treated like an icing? Yes. And doesn't seem to be much appetite to change that. I think getting the call right is important, at least until puck tracking can tell us if it was deflected. And I think we're a while away from that.
0: A couple of other quick points in this one, too. The other discussion point players must wear helmets in warm up. That is something that's going to be coming. And with the dislodged net issue, Mike McKenna has made it a point in past, he's a former NHL goaltender, and he's mentioned you have to put those nets back in place properly if they become dislodged. Otherwise, they they just continue to pop off. And he's his fear is that goaltenders are going to get delay of game penalties unfairly called against them. He wants arena staff to be in charge of it, not any of the on-ice officials.
1: Yeah, it's an interesting take. I I mean, I agree with him in that sometimes you can't just pop the peg back in and put the net back where it was. Sometimes you need to make sure that the, the hole's good if you need to clean anything out before you get it back in there so it sits. Because if the league's taking a look at it, You don't want the officials to be doing it and and holding goalies more accountable. They use the posts. You know, it's not like the old days when we had stand-up goaltenders or guys who were were butterflying way out in front. They're, They're using the RVH technique. They've got their inside leg up, their outside leg down, and they're pushing off the post sometimes or at least using it when they're trying to brace for a shot. And that's bumping nets off, especially if the net's not in properly. So you've got a goaltender who's playing his position, who's used to the resistance on the nets because it's it's consistent. We've got the same types of posts, the same anchors in all the arenas, all the nets. So the goaltenders know what to expect when it comes to those pegs. And now if you have one that's not in properly, the net's a little bit more, it's a little loose on that side. Maybe you can't push off of it. Or when you do, the net comes off. And you certainly don't want guys getting a penalty because of that. So I think if the league's looking at anything, having the event staff or having the arena staff fix the nets might be a good start but you just don't want it to slow down the game because how many times do we see the trailing ref try to fix the net and usually they they appear to be successful but do we really want more whistles so i think that's the hard part is, is can we fix it without further disrupting the flow of the game
0: There is one other bit of info that I want to discuss on this edition of the podcast. Our good friend Sean McIndoo at The Athletic once again convened the rules court. And they had some suggestions and they voted on them and some they like, some they don't like. And there are a few that I think are certainly worthy of some discussion and maybe something that we could look at as well. One of them being complete legalization of the hand pass and right now you can make a hand pass in your own defensive zone but nowhere else out on the ice and that seems a bit odd you should be able to deflect or 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 bat a puck towards a teammate and not have it um and not have it uh, whistled down as a hand pass if you're outside of your defensive zone i'm on board with that one the, the other suggestion has to do with how penalties are called and If a delayed penalty should be called, the referee puts his arm up in the air. But the one addition suggested was if there is a second delayed penalty to be called, the referee will raise his other arm, so basically he's signaling a touchdown out on the <laughs> ice, and continues to skate around. And I think Sean had the best question: is what does that referee do to indicate a third penalty if there's one called? What do you raise then?
1: I, I am afraid to ask, and I'm I'm concerned it might be the same thing Joe Thornton does when he scores four goals in a game.
0: <laughs> exactly.
1: Let's go! You're
0: good, in my book. Good stuff, man. Way to work. Yeah, we're good, man. Too long. Let's go sit for a couple.
1: Get in the box. It's the Scouting the Refs podcast. Read more at scoutingtherefs.com. Follow Scouting the Refs on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Scouting the Refs. Email the show at heyref at scoutingtherefs.com.
0: Subscribe, share, and keep those sticks down. Oh, hey! That's a uh, nice lead on That's good play.